Trying to frame this in a way that people understand and can engage with is, is quite important. We've been trying to describe this very much as a much more simple way of understanding that, which is to say that if our current costs are going to be subject to inflation, which they are, and broadly speaking the government is committed to effectively meeting that, and you can debate how close it gets to it because some of our inflationary costs probably exceed the measures that government applies to its definition of inflation, that means that all the additional demand that's placed on the health service has got to be effectively met without the opportunity of having additional taxpayer money going in to fund that. I put it that way because it starts to give you a sense of the fact that the National Health Service can only meet that challenge by reorientating the way in which it spends a considerable amount of its money. In the past, we've been allowed to get away with some of our inefficiencies because that, that amount of money that's been put in by the taxpayer has always funded, if you like, the demand on the health service over and above inflation. This is a very, very different story for the National Health Service to that that it's become used to and therefore is a significant challenge. Now, if we look to what the rational response, because other industries face this, you can, you can attack this in two ways. You can look at your supply side and you can look at the cost base of supply or you can look at demand. Interesting in the context of other industries, the notion of looking at the demand would be about could you generate additional demand? In our case, it's could we tackle demand in another way? But it's also interesting to note that because a number of our organisations have been created over the last 10 years with a more business-like ethos, some of them do believe that part of the way to resolve their particular issues on dealing with, at an organisational level with this challenge is effectively to look at increasing demand and growing their income rather than effectively reducing it. But I'll, I'll come on to that. So, if we're looking at our supply side sort of management solutions, what would you do in face of that circumstance? You would probably consolidate. A lot of industries would do that. They would, they would consolidate their uh, supply base and they'd try and put it onto fewer sites, organising the care to get high productivity from a, a smaller base. They'd certainly look at the unit cost of labour. They would, they would attack those and they would try and bring those down in real terms. And effectively, they would also look at the overall production costs by looking at other technologies that you could pull in that would actually take out some of their costs. Could they rationalise some of their current existing production processes and find a way to maintain their outcomes? And they'd also probably look to innovate rather radically and try and unlock, if you like, the potential to do things rather differently. Now, in an NHS context, if we think about what those mean, the notion of consolidating our supply side, if you like, is really around the reconfiguration of care. We know from most threshold management assessments that roughly about 30% of people who are uh, occupying acute hospital beds, for example, could be treated better and, and, and uh, in a different way were that service to, to be available. But in order to release that, you have to effectively do that most difficult of things, which is to rationalise acute provision over conurbations, and that's quite uh, tricky for us. We'd certainly look at our cost base in respect of health and social care, and obviously we welcome the fact that the integration debate has been launched over the summer. If we were looking at our unit costs in terms of our labour, we would look at the, the way in which we currently pay for our nursing and doctor input and our administration costs. Well, I can see lots of attacks in terms of the management cost base at the moment, but in terms of the cost of <clears throat> the unit costs of nursing and medical staff, that's much, much harder to get into, and often subject to national awards, some of which have got, as Agenda for Change has, inbuilt sort of elements which lead to 
effectively sort of inflation over and above pay increases. In terms of production costs, looking at the way in which we sort of uh, think about that, well, we, we know we've got some inherent costs that are rising. So we have PFI legacy, we have lift costs as well in our system, which are, uh, you know, sort of like commitments going forward. And in terms of innovation, there is a sense that very often the NHS thinks that if it can reduce its expenditure on uh, new innovation, then that's a cost saving rather than effectively understand how that new technology could bring it in. And we know how notoriously difficult it is to get spread of best practice to reduce variability in terms of the adoption phase of innovation around best practice. So all of those look quite challenging when you put that what, what industries would do into the context of the National Health Service. And many of them challenging not just to the individual management of service, but challenging to the political uh, and managerial framework within which the NHS operates. If we think about our demand side, well, a couple of things really. We could make sure demand hits our system at the right point. And I've already mentioned that a, a good amount of use of our more expensive services comes out from our inability to have the alternative earlier intervention possible. So that would make, that would mean sort of could we reshape our expenditure to develop more and better primary care at an earlier point to deal with some of the problems that exacerbate and hit our system and create greater costs later. We might have to do something about supply side. And certainly in the northwest, we saw examples where PCTs, as they were then, were effectively uh, managing demand in one bit of a care pathway, that that work and that capacity opportunity was effectively being displaced by other uh, work that was being done. Particularly, the best example we had was the lowering of, of scores to assess the need for hip and knee replacements. But of course, the drivers on our system at the moment are about generating the income because it's easier for our suppliers to generate income than to take out cost. And then if we think about our long-term demand, two aspects of that. One is there is already latent demand in our system. We know from the lifestyles that we've been living for the last 10 years. And if you look at the graphs on alcohol-related harm and how they will hit into the system, that's rather worrying. Uh, and on the other side, there is a lot of hope, and I'm, I'm an optimist around this, that, that we can start to do something to shift people's behaviour if they understand, and I'll come back to this, if they understand the context in which we're operating now, to, to effectively deal with the demand that would produce itself if we carried on living out those kind of lifestyles. And of course, there's lots of hope for health and well-being boards and engaging the population in different way. So... So that's, that's what we would do, and it's very difficult in a national health service context. The one thing that I can say is that if you think about this challenge, there are only three outcomes. One is that our service standards fall, but we maintain our financial position. The second is that our financial position deteriorates, but our service standards are kept up. The third is that we do pull off this radical transformation and effectively manage to get our costs and our service standards maintained over the period of time which John and Paul described. At the moment, we're struggling, and we're struggling on, and you can see examples where the NHS financial position is slipping backwards, and you can see positions where the service standards are slipping backwards, and it's variable. You know, there are some bits of the country doing better than others, and I'll come on to that, and there are other bits that are sort of structurally quite difficult. Our sense is that at the moment, the commissioner side is probably okay, and in aggregate is okay, but the risk, a lot of the risks have been transferred across to providers, and that's starting to pop out in places that have got uh, real pressures and real difficulties, and that's in year one of this. So, the point that I want to make is that this should not be deemed to be a council of despair. I'm not stood here saying we are struggling and therefore we will fail. What I'm stood here saying is that at the moment we're struggling, but we cannot afford to fail. So what we are calling for, if you like, in terms of trying to 
describe this more honestly, more clearly, is to get the mandate from, from particularly the public, which connects to the political uh, rhetoric and narrative, in order to make the changes that we need to see. So in shorthand, that's to try and get a mandate for planned change in order to avoid unplanned cuts. In, in a very positive way, you can see systems that are doing this well. So it's not everywhere that's struggling. Those systems that are doing it well have effectively got primary care, social care, acute care aligned well. And they do that through their commissioner-provider relationships. And what they're not doing is transferring risk from one bit to another. What they're trying to do is find whole system solutions. There are other bits of the country where, uh, and again, this is something we were developing in the Northwest, where acute hospital providers are working well together in concepts like hospital groups. So avoiding the massive uh, upheaval of mergers and acquisitions or the kind of around the edges informal relationships and trying to find ways of getting a bigger economic acute base to describe the way in which they can organise their services. And there are some parts of the country that are really starting to open up the questions about how are we going to tackle this in our local environment? What do you support us doing in order to get that mandate? But ultimately, if we're going to be successful, we probably need a rather radical transformation, in particularly dealing with the 2060 position, which is really in our terms about engaging the public in this particular problem. What do you believe we should be doing? This is, a, this is our national health service. This is a service that you fund. Are you prepared to make good that gap with putting in more resources out of taxpayers' money? Or do we have to start thinking about changing either the way that you as an individual and your communities use services, or indeed we take tough decisions about what should be available and how that's made available to the public? You know, we don't like to talk about rationing because it's a difficult concept, but in terms of engaging the public in thinking about priorities, that seems to be an essential, all of which is predicated on probably a more honest an open debate with the public than we're getting now. Thank you.